everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 618, NFL Week 4, Ryder Cup, and Mark Back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going pretty well. How about you? Not too bad. Still feeling the effects of that jet lag. <laughs> I don't think the three hockey games till 10 p.m. helped very much. So, <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll recover. Yeah, we got a hockey tournament this weekend, so... We'll see how that I happens. mean, I'm looking forward to it on the trip to the U.S., right? I'm going to get to watch you play hockey. Not only are you going to get to watch, you're going to watch the playoffs. I believe oh, I thought you were going to be like, round of the you're playoffs. Get, I thought you are like, you're going to get to play. <laughs> Not only are you going to get to watch, you are going to watch. <laughs> I think I could be an okay hockey goalie. I mean, I not, that's not, the, we could maybe put you in the Sunday rec league. <laughs> I think that's the one thing I'd have a chance of doing i don't i mean i don't skate well enough to be any other position yeah because i can't skate backwards for example and even forwards my stopping power is not great i'm mostly just gonna have to run into people to make myself stop <laughs> not gonna work <laughs> no <laughs> there's not that many people on the rink to just no i know running seen, into people no i'd mostly just be running into the boards yeah. it would just be like a runaway train running into the boards well there's open rink on friday so maybe we can suit you up and put you in net <laughs> i'll go in net but yeah i mean still could you technically go in net without having skates on um we frown upon that <laughs> like if it were open skate like it really wouldn't matter much but in a game are the are you technically allowed to yeah, do that no you have to have skates no on. okay yeah all right well I'll just shave the skates down so they're totally flat. <laughs> well, the hockey goalie skates are slightly different. They don't move as, as well anyway. So, I mean, but that would ultimately still be yeah. my undoing is just shifting myself around the crease and stuff. Like I would, I would end up falling over at times than I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But you, yeah, but, you will get to see playoffs and it's a cheap bar. So, well, I'll just be wrecked by the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just lobbing bottles over the over the boards. <laughs> no try and start the. Oh well, let's try and I'll bring squid or whatever. Who does that? Pittsburgh, uh, Detroit, Detroit. I'll just bring some dead fish and lob it onto the, the non ice rink. To yeah. Just rot away mid game. <laughs> yeah, it was actually quite the controversy. Yeah, last night we had a little bit of a skirmish with uh, two of the players and. Some ejections, some of then off the rink skirmish following it, and it was, uh, I could might... be a goon. I could you be could, that I could do, but it's tough to be a goon when you can't really skate, and then there are bigger <laughs> people there that can skate. <laughs> That's all right. I'll just I'll just wait for my opportunity. <laughs> the team will be losing, but eventually I'll get I'll land one. Yeah. Well, Eddie. I actually have a um, little BuzzFeed quiz for you. I'm not going to tell you what this is for. I just want you to answer. 
and then I'm going to tell you something about yourself. Okay, are you ready? What is your favorite color? Red, blue, yellow, or green? Blue. Okay. What's your... (laughs) This is fitting. (laughs) Answer honestly. What's your dream vacation destination? Colorado, New York City, Hawaii, Arizona? Mm, Hawaii. Okay. What's your favorite drink at a sporting event? Soda, beer, coffee or hot chocolate, or water? (laughs) What a terrible options. I love when I go to a football game and have a hot chocolate. Um, it would be, it would be beer. Okay. What's your go-to snack at a sporting event? Hot dog, popcorn, nachos, or peanuts? Um, it would, I'd be happy with all but peanuts there really, but I would probably say hot dog. Okay. What's your favorite season? Fall, spring, winter, or summer? Spring. Wow, the listeners are learning so much about you. <laughs> you creating a profile? Last one. <laughs> if you were to date a man. <laughs> oh, you are creating my <laughs> What's your ideal seat location at a sporting event? Sweet club level, uh, like in the center, end zone, or like on the side, like goal, or upper deck? Um of those, I mean, definitely not end zone, definitely not upper deck. I mean, ideally you want like around the 50 yard line midfield, right? So either in the sort of inner ring or suite, I'd probably prefer to be in the stands over a suite most of the time, just from an atmosphere perspective. So either one of those options, whichever one sounds closer to. 50 yard line, closer to the field. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations, Eddie. You're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Cheer on the Dallas Cowboys this season. <laughs> okay, go back and change it to sweet and see what answer I get. Uh, okay, hold on. He said blue, Hawaii, hot chocolate, hot dog, spring, and sweet. Congratulations. You're a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> Which one's which one's the one giving me away as a Cowboys fan? I don't know. I mean, blue, blue is is probably. This is what's amazing about BuzzFeed, is they don't tell you at all how you've been like been decided to be a Cowboys fan. Two, I've only seen three teams so far, and I've done like eight different permutations. (laughs) I mean, the color has to be a big factor in this. It's not because I picked blue the first time I did it, and then they said I was a Chiefs fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, BuzzFeed. The how BuzzFeed is still going is a thing. I mean, ta- wow. Taylor Swift really put the NFL on the map. That's how this opens up. <laughs> it's true. I'd never heard of the NFL before Sunday. Some of y'all are a- new to football, so let's decide which team you should root for. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Do they genuinely believe? I mean, because like. The percentage of Americans that watch the Super Bowl is is incredibly high, right? So the idea of being new to football basically doesn't exist in America almost. 
now they have to believe, are they, is Taylor Swift going to really convert Swifties into being Chiefs fans? I mean, that's the, the, how dedicated are they? And I struggle to believe that they're suddenly going to be tuning in for every Chiefs game as a result of this supposed relationship. Well, we're going to find out soon. I don't know if you saw the most watched NFL game last week was that game. <laughs> it was significantly higher than all other games. <laughs> it did have other things going for it, though. It was in the afternoon slate. It wasn't up against a big game. Sunday night and Monday night football were not great in terms of like they weren't must watch games. So the Thursday night did. though is slightly surprising. That's two big fan bases. Niners Giants, yeah. It's true. But it's still Thursday night. But yeah. Well, before we get on to the NFL, Eddie, I saw Blackburn moved on and now are set to face a uh, friend of the podcast. <laughs> fellow team are there plans in the works already eddie for a I got rovers chelsea viewing co-party <laughs> i got a text message from ollie right after the draw saying do we you know should we go to the match in the away end and i would normally been totally down for that however it's the day before I'd be flying to the U.S. <laughs> what a way to start the trip. I think that might just overcomplicate the logistics slightly. So had it not been for that fact, I definitely would have been there. But it's just it's a nightmare from a planning standpoint. Wow. Is there um, replays in in? CFL Cup? No, League Cup is extra time penalties. I don't actually know when extra time. At the moment, it's just penalties. I don't know when extra time actually kicks in. It might not be until like the semis or whatever. So it's probably still straight to penalties at that round. So no, no chance of a... I mean, here's the thing is, I'm going to be in the U.S. for a month. (laughs) I'll still be in the... Even if there were replays, I'd still be in the U.S. then. So unfortunate timing, I guess. Also, look, Chelsea are going to beat Blackburn. And see, but this is, I love that you already put this out. This is a win win for you. This is a worst case scenario for Ollie here. <laughs> it is. I mean, barring them winning like seven or eight nil, yeah, there's kind of no, and even that wouldn't stun me because Blackburn can't defend to save their lives. Like they, you know, they won today five two, that they don't keep clean sheets, you know, so everyone scores against them. Yeah, but Chelsea don't score. <laughs> No, but they'll be a bit fitter and healthier by the time that match rolls around. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, and ultimately, the cup runs are kind of nice. Blackburn have had a few in recent seasons that have been decent distractions. But, you know, it's at a stage where you really want the team to try to compete for the playoffs, and the extra games do kind of, they do hurt you. So, in the same way, you know, Manchester City lost to Newcastle tonight okay, I'm sure there's some part of them that thinks they have this shot at this sort of perfect season and winning everything. Uh, I mean, I guess technically they, they lost the community shield anyway, so that went out the window. But, you know, they have these opportunities to potentially win 
you know, every major competition that they're in, but I'm sure they're happy that there's going to be a couple weeks where they don't have a midweek match, even if they were going to rotate and give other players a chance. And in the reverse, I think for Newcastle, he might've wanted to lose that match. I don't know because the chances of winning a trophy now just got exponentially better. They did, but now they have Manchester United in the next round. That's an easy win. Which, obviously, <laughs> they played in the cup final against each other last season. And I just think if you're Newcastle, you got bigger. Manchester United are in a situation where a League Cup run could be a nice distraction. Where, you know, they get to January and Champions League doesn't really look on the cards. And they can win a cup and make the season feel like more of a success, which they did last season. And, but for Newcastle, I think just, I mean, I, you know, I, I think on the honest assessment from Eddie Howe and from everyone involved, I think they probably would have preferred to just have at least, you know, one more spare Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially, you know, a couple more. I don't think it helps them in any way. Any other sporting topics before we get on to our NFL week four predictions? Actually, I have one more non-sporting topic. Okay. I thought this headline really caught my attention. Talk about clickbait. Passengers on overbooked Delta flight offered $4,000 to get off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fuck, I'm always on the wrong Delta flights. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I hope, I hope on my several flights I'm about to take as part of this rather mammoth journey, I will happily get off a plane if someone offers several thousand dollars. How little would they have to offer Vasilis for him to get off? <laughs> See, genuinely though, Vass, he would be the type of person who probably, if he's so looking forward to this trip, he would turn down outrageous sums of money. You know, they'd be like, we'll give you $10,000 and put you on a flight in six hours. And he probably would still be, but that's six hours less of being in Hooters or, you know, whatever calculation he's making. Where, where he can get off in the bathroom. <laughs> so this was a flight from Boston to Rome. And it was $4,000 plus the hotel for the night, and then they would put you on the flight the following day. Yeah, I mean, I almost certainly take that. Obviously, yeah. I can, I can that understand something. That then pays for almost all of your trip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, depending on... Like but, a week, if it's a week trip, and you're not but, being crazy. I mean, it does. it is true. You know, you might have arrangements that don't make that possible. You might be going for a specific reason or have other legs in your trip that, you know... You know, you're only in Rome for two nights and now you're eliminating Rome and you really want to see some things. I can get people turning it down, but, you know, they should never really struggle. The thing that hurts them, I suppose, is that most people will just be sitting there waiting for the number to go higher, which is what I would be doing. Yeah. Like I'm not accepting a thousand. So people took a range from 2000 to 4000. It really sucks for those people that took the 2000. Huge difference. Huge. Like that's a huge. I difference. mean, it's literally double. <laughs> but it's not just that. It's just like psychologically, it feels like so much more. 
like 2000, you burn through it pretty fast. Like, you know, a couple nights out or a couple things, a hotel booking, suddenly you get under a thousand almost immediately. And then it feels like there's almost nothing left. You know, that kind of psychological impact of like, shit, I've only got $650 left. That's nothing. And whereas 4,000, you like burn through the first 1500. Like I still got two and a half thousand. Yeah. This is pretty nice. I wonder at what point too people were starting to say like, I'm going to take it, but I don't want to take it until it gets high enough right before someone else is going to take it. Like I, I bet you a lot of people were thinking 5,000 and that's you know, when I think the sp- smart person comes in and when they say four, you take it and undercut that person that was waiting for five. <laughs> I think if they were smart, they would do like, they should have some some like a silent voting. auction. <laughs> yeah, like a system built into your entertainment system oh. where you you type in the number that would let you get off that where you're like I will get off for this number. And you could be outrageous. Someone could put no money and you put 20,000. I think they're capped anyway. I can't we've discussed this previously, right? I think Delta it's like 10,000 is the most they say they'll offer you, something like yeah. that. But you know, you put in that amount and then hope that you you come up. Now that gets complicated when 19 people on the plane have identical bids. Well, then they have to fight each other. <laughs> That's the second layer. Then you restart it. With just those 19. Yeah. I, you know what? We develop this software. We pitch it to Delta. We <laughs> yeah. solve all of their problems in one go. You know, it was funny. Speaking of that, I watched a couple in the seats in front of me for a three hour flight play the free games on the entertainment thing. I've never seen adults play. It was like they were playing like um, kind of like a photo hunt like game. And then I did like a quiz game, but the quiz game was brutally slow. It would pop a question up and then you pick the answer but they don't give you 30 seconds. So they would pick it in the first five seconds and then just sit there where it'd be like 21, 20, 19, 18. I was like, are you guys kidding me right now? (laughs) There are movies and TVs on this thing. (laughs) I've played the games as an adult. For a significantly long time? Uh, At least an hour. Wow. Not on a three-hour flight, but like on a long-haul flight to mix things up. I've definitely played the games. I've really tested them out, seeing which ones are fun. I also saw a pretty good video that someone took where he was playing the battleship because some of the games are fun because you're playing other people on the plane. Yeah. And he was playing battleship against a guy who was sitting like one row in front of him and he could see his screen. (laughs) So he was just (laughs) destroying the guy. That's pretty good. But hey, if I'm on a flight with Vasilis, we'll just play the games all the whole time. (laughs) I would not want to be on a flight with Vasilis for an extended period of time. I'd rather fly with, with like newborn, like a triplets. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being on the flight with Vass. My bigger issue would be everything surrounding the flight, getting to the airport, going through security, dealing with a layover. Oh God. Like, I don't think he would understand the concept of the layover. You know, like we have 90 minutes, but we have to board. Like we have to get okay, well, I'm going to just go and do this. You know, like you're going to end up missing the connecting flight for sure. But all right, should we do our predictions for week four of the NFL? Let's do it. 
All right. Well, obviously we missed our predictions for last week. So our accounting system for our our picks is struggling. I did really good last week. I actually, because I'm in a confidence pool, uh, so I at least have to put in my picks. It's only money line, not against the spread. So it's obviously a bit different. Last week I was perfect aside from those three big upsets, which was a little bit annoying. So aside from the Ravens, the Jags, and the Cowboys, I got every other game right. So it kind of was, it didn't hurt me in the sense that everybody else in the pool picked those teams anyway. So it didn't, Yeah, I yeah. still had a great week, but it was disappointing because having a perfect week would be quite cool. And I obviously did not achieve that. But we kick things off Thursday night football with a divisional rivalry. We have the Lions at Packers, and the Lions are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Obviously, this is a matchup that the Packers have absolutely dominated in recent years, <laughs> but that's with Aaron Rodgers. So things slightly change now that we, you know, the guy, the quarterback who owned both Chicago and Detroit to a certain extent is, uh, is no longer there. I'm a little torn on this because... I don't think the Lions are all that much better than the Packers and the Packers at home. I think that's actually one of the few instances of a genuine home field advantage. And so to have them be, it's tempting with them as an underdog to pick them, but I'd love them to be like, if they were three and a half points, I would definitely take it. But at one and a half where you're not really, you're basically a money line pick from the most part, I'm going to just, say the Lions are the better team, and I'm going to pick the Lions. Yeah, so the Packers are 2-1, and one, just like the Lions are. But the Packers were down 17-0 in the third quarter before Derek Carr got hurt. That severely changed that game. Um, they didn't score another point, the Saints, and I don't think had another first down the entire game after he left. I think they were five straight three and outs. So... I think the Packers look slightly better because of that. And I think that's a little lucky. I just think the Lions are a better team. I think their defense is better than the Packers defense. Um, you know, the Packers also, their other big win is against the Bears. And again, I think we said a few days ago, I think you and I could put together a team that could beat the Bears at this point. So I'll go with the Lions. Although it's 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 a decent Thursday night game again, at least on paper. Like it's it's watchable. I will seek out to watch that game. <laughs> you definitely have to watch at least the first half. Like it's a it's a good it's a quality enough game where you just have to check it out and see if it's competitive and decent. So yeah, I agree with you. It's not one of those where okay, I can actively ignore this Thursday night game. Up next, first international game of the season. Falcons technically at Jags, although the game is being played at Wembley in London. Uh, the Jags have back-to-back London games coming up. And the Jags are three-point favorites. I've got a little question for you then, Frank. This will be the 10th time that the Jags will be playing in London. What do you think their record is in London? Four and six. Well, this is the 10th game. Oh. <laughs> three and six. Okay, you, you stuck on the six, you should have stuck on the four. Ah. Because they are they are four and five. Damn. 
which I don't know if you saw. They're they're making this game in a Toy Story game. Have you seen the previews for this? I have not. No. So, at the same time this game is going on, they're going to have an animated version where they are Toy Story characters playing in Andy's bedroom on on like the floor or something. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm slightly interested. I will at least tune in for a little bit to watch how this goes. But it's going to I'm assuming it's kind of going to be like how you can now watch the game with just like the ball and the players moving but not having to be real, except now they're going to be 3D cartoons. So but they're going to be Toy Story characters. Or they or they're going to look like Toy Story characters. Okay. Because they were there, I think there'd be almost a degree of like politics as to who gets to be which character. Yeah, who gets to be the like, racist Tim Allen Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> well, I mean, because you'd either have to do presumably in that scenario, one quarterback has to be Woody and one has to be Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, and and then, but you know, if you're a wide receiver who gets given like a kind of tertiary character. You'd be oh, Megatron first. would be great, like T-Rex. <laughs> yes. But, you know, once you get down to like, oh, you're just like one of the army men. And you'd <laughs> yeah. be like, okay, great. <laughs> you do not think I'm going to have an important role in this game. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work yet. But all that being said, um, I'll take the Jags to win and to cover. I'm still not sold on the Falcons. It looked like uh, in that last game, once their run game was kind of shut down a little bit and they were forced to throw it uh, against the Lions, they really couldn't do much. So, yeah, I'll go with the Jags. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in the Falcons. I think, you know, the Lions shut them down in that game pretty fast. As you mentioned, I think they were lucky against the Packers. Like that's a game they really should have lost. And I put almost no value in their win over the Panthers because I think the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And I'm not going to put the Jags in the category of good team bouncing back, but they're a somewhat good team playing a bad team. So I expect them to bounce back. So I actually think this line is a little bit of an overreaction to the the Jags' performance last week against the Texans. I think they should be five or six-point favorites here, really. So I really like the Jags in this. So the Jags to win and the Jags to cover. Even with Trevor Lawrence? Even with Trevor Lawrence. Wow. If he would just cut his hair, I'd be fully on the Lawrence bandwagon. <laughs> then... This, unfortunate in a sense, not to be game of the week, but it's, uh, you know, a nice divisional rivalry, two good teams, Ravens at Browns, and the Browns are three-point favorites. I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to go with the Browns to win and to cover. Their defense just looks so, so good right now. The Ravens still have some injury problems. Uh, It definitely showed last week. That's a tough loss against a not-so-great Colts team with Gardner Minshew. Um, So I'm not sure who's going to be back yet from that standpoint. But 
just right now, I think the Browns defense just looks really good. And if Deshaun Watson continues to improve, he definitely looked better last, a lot better last week than the previous two weeks. I think they can keep up with the Ravens and keep it a low scoring game and kind of win by a field goal at the end. Yeah, I'm a little torn because obviously the Ravens did not look great last week. The Browns looked very good. And it's just both of these teams are in a situation where it's difficult to know which game you put the most weight on from what we've seen of them through three weeks. Because up until last week, the Ravens kind of looked like one of the best teams in football. The Browns did not really look like a playoff contender aside from maybe their defense. And then last week, their defense stepped it up a further notch. And, you know, the sort of more open approach to their offense seemed to suit Deshaun Watson. I feel like the Browns are one of those teams that over the course of a season, I pick incorrectly about seven times. I fear this might be one of them, but I will take the Browns to win and the Browns to cover. Up next, we have the Bengals at the Titans. And the Bengals are two and a half point favorites. I suppose in this, the continued assumption is that Joe Burrow is playing, which feels like there's an element of risk involved in this still. You know, he didn't look fully healthy on Monday night. And there it feels like at some point in the next couple of weeks, he's probably going to have to miss a game if he doesn't want to just play the entire season slightly hobbled. But then at the same time, the Bengals are not in a complete can't-lose-must-win situation, but they're not far off it. They did not look great on Monday night. I really do not think the Titans are particularly good, though. So I will take the Bengals to win into cover. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to take the same. Uh, they already have a through line in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the, the Bengals lost 24 to three against the Browns, but the Titans lost 27 to three against the Browns. So an extra three points right on that spread. Uh, but no, I think, I, I think the Bengals, yes, they didn't look great, but they looked better. They at least were able to get chased the ball a lot. And I think that's the key to their success. So that'll continue. All right. I don't think there's ever been a game in the history of us doing the predictions where this sound has been more deserved. Because up next, we have the Denver Broncos at the Chicago Bears, undoubtedly the worst team against in football against the biggest dumpster fire in football. I don't know which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Bears are the worst, and I think the Broncos, just everything is going wrong for them. The Broncos are three-point favorites. I mean, this feels like it's almost the last roll of the dice for Russell Wilson. Like I legitimately think if he loses this one, you, you drop him because at that point you're in, unless of course they are in tank mode and they think the best way of tanking is with Russell Wilson playing. Like this is the only thing, the only scenario that might change things. Although I guess as a result, do they even have their first round pick? Did they lose that in the Wilson trade anyway? Uh, I'm not sure if it was this year's one. You might be right. No, it looks like they should be in the clear here. So I guess they have an incentive to tank. <laughs> uh, I don't love picking the Broncos, but the Bears are so bad that 
And the Broncos have shown flashes of competence so far this season. I mean, not last week when just everything was terrible for them. But if you take that game against the Commanders two weeks ago, they should have won that game. And for and at the least Raiders. two quarters. And the Raiders. But at least for two quarters, they actually looked pretty good. And then just the wheels came off. Whereas there have been no positive for the Bears so far this season. So no. I'll take the Broncos to win and to cover. I think the Bears have had one good drive in the first game against the Packers. And then ever since then, it's been downhill. I think they are just oh, beyond bad right now. As much as it pains me to say, I think you have to take the Broncos here. And then things to improve slightly up next, but not by a ton. We have the Rams, the Colts. Colts are one-point favorites. And honestly, I don't really know what to do with this game because both of these teams are probably better than expected based on preseason sort of predictions. And I don't know which one of them I think will return to form faster. Ultimately, I'm going to give the Rams the nod here just because I think Matthew Stafford is actually playing really well at the moment. And McVay, whilst he can get his own way at times, is a good coach. And so I think the Rams have the slight edge. And so I'll pick the Rams to win and then plus the one point. Yeah, I'm actually slightly more confident in this. After watching, I've watched the Rams now a few times and they hung in with the Niners. They hung in with the Bengals and Cooper Cup might be back. That would be huge. They ha- they still seem to have a decent offense that can put up some points. And I just don't believe in the Colts and Gardner Minshew and whether Anthony Richardson comes back, but I, I don't trust that offense very much. Well, a couple games ago, we had undoubtedly the worst game of the week. Now we have best game of the week, best game of the season so far, a game that's going to be on the list, probably top five games of the season. Obviously, they play each other twice, so the sort of significance is slightly reduced. But we have the Dolphins at the Bills. The Bills are two and a half point favorites. And this is just an interesting matchup. Obviously, the Dolphins coming off of a historic offensive performance a week ago. At the same time, the Bills offense looked pretty good last week against Washington. And then defensively, they also looked very good. They had 15 quarterback hits with seven different defensive players getting those hits, uh, which is a pretty impressive performance. Tua gets the ball out really quickly. He averages a release time of 2.36 seconds. So that's the fastest release time of any quarterback in the NFL so far. So you'd say that of anyone, sort of any quarterback in the NFL, he's most suited to dealing with a pass rush. But when he does feel pressure so far this season, I know you how you love passer rating. His passer rating drops to 57.7. Whereas when he has a clean pocket, it's 137.7. So with the Bills have the highest pressure rating of any NFL team through the first three weeks. In a sense, this is two teams that match up quite interestingly against each other. With all that being said, I think the Dolphins with a healthy Tua are just the better team. And even if there's a strong chance he has a couple turnovers in this game, 
you know, it's just difficult to imagine them not scoring 35 points. And whilst the Bills offense can be explosive, I think that's less of a guarantee with them. And ultimately, if you tell me this game goes down to the wire, final possession one, you know, each team last fourth quarter getting one possession each, I don't trust Josh Allen as much as I trust Tua. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win and the Dolphins plus the two and a half points. Yeah, I'm going to keep it simple. I think the eye test here is Dolphins all the way until until I see them struggle in the slightest on offense. I have to go with the Dolphins. It could be a shootout like it was with the Chargers, but kind of like what you said, I just think if they have any chance with the ball at the end of the game, they're going to drive down and they're going to get the points they need. So I'll definitely take the Dolphins to win here and I'll happily take two and a half, even though I won't need them. Okay. Confidence kind of thing that Tyreek Hill would probably say. Well, actually Tyreek Hill would say he wants to be a porn star after he retires. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) I didn't see that. (laughs) He's such a jackass. That's what he said. Uh, he was doing a um, uh, when he was oh what was he playing? He was playing Mike Evans on a video game, and they were live streaming it. And he said that, and then they were joking. He's like, "No, no, I'm serious though." And then the next day, he was like, "Guys, I was joking." <laughs> <laughs> well, up next, things drop off slightly. We have the Vikings at the Panthers. Vikings are four point favorites. And I have to say, it's that time of the year where I just pump Kirk Cousins into my veins. Coming off a disappointing performance fourth quarter against the Chargers, where he failed to punch it in on multiple occasions when they had the opportunity with a fairly short field to win the game. This feels like the perfect tonic for Kirk Cousins. Just up against a pretty bad team a chance to do what the Vikings love to do, which is score a bunch of points against mediocre opponents and have everyone talking about them again. As we discussed on the last episode, he's leading the the league in passing yards. I think he'll maintain his advantage through this week. I guess the one question, I haven't looked at this actually, what is Justin Jefferson's injury status? Because obviously he was a little bit hobbled at the end of that Chargers game. Is he expected to play? Looks like he is not on the injury list. So good to go. <laughs> so, But Bryce Young on track to start for the Panthers, which makes me even more happy to take the Vikings. And then we have Steelers at Texans. Steelers three-point favorites. And to me, kind of going back to the overreaction in the Jags line, I feel like this is the biggest overreaction of the week. This Texans team is okay, and I think they're putting in place some foundations to be a good team in the coming years. D'Amico Ryan's impressive coaching performance so far. Looks like they have a decent you know, prospect in place in the quarterback position. They have some nice players surrounding that, but still they kind of suck. And this Texans, the Steelers defense is legitimately good. Not elite, but legitimately good. And their offense is competent. So I will take the Steelers to win and to cover. Yeah. So going back to the Vikings game real quick, I didn't get to say 
I think this is the start of their playoff run right here. One win at a time, starting in week four. We'll see the Vikings in the playoffs. But I agree with you as much as it pains me to say, I think this is a slight overreaction. I don't think the Steelers are better than many teams, but I do think they're better than the Texans. I wouldn't stake my life on it, though, just because uh, I don't trust Kenny Pickett and CJ Stroud seems to be playing pretty well very early in his career already. So uh, I'll take the Steelers to win with the points, but uh, this is a stay away game for me. And then we have the Buccaneers at the Saints and the Saints are three point favorites. I'll be pretty quick on this one. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, but I do think the Saints are slightly better. So I will take the Saints to win and to cover. I kind of see a similar outcome as what we saw from the Saints playing the Panthers a couple of weeks ago. I think this fully rides on Derek Carr, who's day-to-day. Uh, he has that AC joint sprain, which I uh, we had to hear for three days now already, or how many days he's had this injury. Every athlete on every media coverage tell them what it's like when they had an AC joint injury. It's fucking annoying. I get it. I don't need to hear every person tell me what an AC joint sprain feels like and how it's a painful and you don't know day to day but Carr says if i can play i'll play that isn't a ringing of sign of endorsement there uh so i i'm gonna stay away from the saints here and think he's not gonna play because they looked atrocious without him so i'll take the bucks with the points here on the guess that Carr will not be 100 percent. not a dumb move and then uh, rounding off the early slate of games, we have the Commanders at the Eagles. Eagles are eight-point favorites. I'm just going to side with the Eagles here because they're obviously the significantly better team to win and to cover, although the eight points worries me a little bit. We kind of touched on it uh, you know, in our re- reaction to the Monday night game where – it feels like they should be scoring a lot more points than they are, and they're kind of not putting teams away at the moment. And so an eight-point spread, I could see a scenario in which the commanders are never really in the game but end up losing by seven points or something. But I just don't like... In a, when I'm in a f- position where I really don't think the commanders have any chance to win feels strange for me to be then very confident that they're going to stay within a single score. So on that basis, I have to take the Eagles to win and to cover. Uh, I, I think the Eagles are the much better team here. I think the commanders are who we thought they were. They played a pretty easy schedule. Those first two weeks, they got brought back down to reality. Eagles offense just continues to get better and their defense is very, very solid. So I'll take the Eagles here, and I'll take the Eagles minus eight. And then we have the Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers five-and-a-half-point favorites. It just annoys me that I get to be critical of Justin Herbert all the time, and then right off a week where I've really laid into him, he gets to play this pretty terrible Raiders team, and I'm sure he's going to pass for 350 yards. I'm sure he's probably going to have no turnovers, three or four touchdowns, and you're going to be telling me how impressive he was yet again. So I will take the Chargers to win and the Chargers to cover. Yeah, Eddie, you just said it for me. 
<laughs> Everything you said is going to be true because it's true. <laughs> All right. There we go. Then we have the Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, the biggest spread of the week. The Niners are 14-point favorites. Woo! 14 points. Oh, boy. I think you can make it 20 points, and I'd still take the Niners here. Don't be fooled by what the Cowboys uh, put up against the Cardinals. Uh, I, From what I saw, Cowboys... You know, I thought they were the better team in that game and they should have won that game. A couple of stupid mistakes. And I think that's definitely a 10 point swing the other way. The Niners don't make those stupid mistakes. They'll just continue to play the game that they play well, which is run the ball down your throat. Let Brock Purdy hit these little dump off passes to be a game manager and just let that defense suffocate Dobbs. (laughs) Yeah, I mostly agree with you. You know, I think the Arizona have kind of ridden their luck to either be sort of efficient in games or winning the game, as the case was. You know, the inefficiencies that the Cowboys had in the red zone, I don't think the Niners would have the similar have similar struggles. Uh, you know, there were some fluky plays uh, as well that went Arizona's way. So 14 points is a lot. Historically, right, we, we say this all the time, history would tell you take the 14 points like most teams you know you'll end up you know with the Niners winning by 12 and you manage to to win that bet but I cannot pick the Cardinals with any degree of confidence so I'm going to take the the Niners to win and the Niners to cover I mean they also have a through line in the Giants who beat the Cardinals 31 28 and then the Niners beat the Giants 30 to 12 so (laughs) yeah and then we have the Patriots at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites. I think everyone in the world knows what your pick is going to be for this game. So why don't you tell us why the Cowboys are going to win by a ton of points? I think the Cowboys are win, but I think the Patriots are going to cover the spread. Uh, I oh mean, the boy. Patriots, five-point loss to the Eagles, seven-point loss to the Dolphins, which doesn't look so bad right now. <laughs> You're coming around, Frank. I'm not coming around. around. I don't think they're a good team, but I think they can keep it close. And and I think they'll keep it close against the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will win, but not by more than a touchdown. Well, you know what they say. When Frank Duca starts getting on a bandwagon, you hop right off it as fast as you can. (laughs) So I'm going to take the Cowboys to win and the Cowboys to cover. Based on what you just said, I would take the Cowboys minus 20. Here's a question: When, when is the like, the media in the world gonna get on Mac Jones for being a complete scumbag? I mean, he's now on video ball, of punching, punch. of punching Sauce Gardner in the balls. He had another one where he, last year where he slid on a play and then kicked his leg up into someone's balls. He also on another one when he got sacked and fumbled, he grabbed the guy by the leg and twisted him down and like gave him a high ankle sprain like how many more times are we gonna have to see mac jones make a dirty play before someone just calls him out for being an asshole five five more yeah i don't know was it a rhetorical question or did you want an actual actual i want an actual answer i mean how many does it take eight in total five more and then he's the indomitian sue of 
I mean, Dominican Sue did one little thing. <laughs> well, he did more than that, but yeah, he built his reputation instantly. And then we wrap up the Sunday slate of games. Obviously, a long day, you know, with a London game through to the Sunday night football. That's a, you know, you love the seven hours of uninterrupted football. Sunday, you're going to have, if you wanted, I don't know, what is that, 14 hours of uninterrupted football? A lot. Although some interruptions, I guess, for the first and the last game. You got the Chiefs at the Jets, and the Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites. We have to assume that Taylor Swift will be in attendance. So I think you can just bet all the money in the world on Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown scorer. I think, I mean, it's odds on, but that would be my advised bet on this game over pretty much any other decision. The Jets just things seem to be going from bad to worse. Even the things we expected about them to be good aren't really all that good. Uh, I'll take the Chiefs to win and to cover here. Do you want to take a guess at who has the worst QBR in the NFL? Uh, Is it Wilson? Nope. (laughs) Okay. You tricked me. (laughs) You set me up for the typical Frank move. Russell Wilson. No, Justin Fields. Okay, that makes sense. You know who's second? Wilson. Wilson. (laughs) Yeah. He's in he's in glorified company with Fields, Tannehill, Kenny Pickett, and Bryce Young. Uh, he is not improving from week to week, from year to year. This team is dead in the water with him. And I at this point, I just don't understand why this is the hill Robert Sala wants to ruin his career on. I mean, he's a sub five hundred coach as it is, and he's gonna pretty much almost bet his job on Zach Wilson at this point. And I just don't understand it. I don't get does Zach Wilson have like incriminating evidence on Salah that he that he won't give up the job on him. Like just move on. Like it's crazy. Last year they were willing to put Mike White in over him, but this year they're not willing to even bring in anyone in that could potentially somewhat right the ship it i don't i don't get it but they're yeah i'll take the chiefs here and with the points speaking of all of those taylor swift conspiracy theories that have been swirling though did you see the digging that people did into the outfit that travis kelsey was pictured wearing as he left arrowhead stadium oh god no you didn't see this so uh the matching denim sort of jacket, yeah. pant, jeans, outfit that he was wearing. It's named the 1989 bedroom painting suit oh. by the Kid Super Studios, the, the company that sells it. So obviously everyone has de- decided that he obviously was aware of this and was wearing a 1989 sort of themed outfit in homage to Taylor Swift. So the conspiracy theories continue to fly. <laughs> I don't know. Did I make my pick for this? I I can't. If I didn't, if I if I did, if I didn't, I'm taking the Chiefs to win into cover. Yeah, I'll put it that way. And then we finish things off with the Seahawks at the Giants. The Giants are one point favorites. Obviously, you might have stronger feelings about this game. I think this is. A generous line to the New York Giants 
because I think the Seahawks are starting to show signs of what everyone expected them to be. And I don't want to read too much into that Thursday night performance because I do think from them it was a really bad matchup against the Niners. But, you know, against the Seahawks, you're still going to come up against a pretty good defense, an offense that moves the ball pretty easily, can run the ball down your throat. And I'm going to take the Seahawks to win and the Seahawks plus one point. I don't get this spread at all. How are the Giants favored? I, I, I mean, their one win is two good quarters against maybe the worst team in the NFL. Uh, they do not look good right now. I don't think they play particularly well against the Niners. I, they held them to 30. Is that something to be proud of? I don't know. Their defense is just letting every first down up. It's not stopping. I think the Seahawks will win this. Uh, and I think obviously they'll cover. Well, that just about wraps everything up. Uh, do you have a bet of the week that you would like to share? I do. I'm going to change it up this week and I'm going to give a little teaser bet. All right. So those not aware of the teaser bet, you can tease the line however you want. Traditionally six points. So I'll stick with the traditional six and I'm going to do the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Chargers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. That's five teams. That's five to one. You get so it's pretty good odds. So when that's all teased in uh, the sports book I use, it would be Dolphins plus eight and a half, Eagles minus two and a half, Chargers plus a half, Rams and Seahawks both plus seven. Nice. Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to stick to what I know, stick to what's been working for me so far this season. I mean, we both have a 100% record so far. I'm going to give you the, I talked about the 14, 15 hours of uninterrupted football. I'm going to give you the parlay accumulator to see you through an entire Sunday of football. You're going to kick things off with a Jags money line that then gets rolled onto Eagles money line, which then rolls onto Cowboys money line, which then rolls onto Chiefs money line. Gives you... I think as long as you make it through the Jags, it's difficult for me to see where that bet loses. And as long as it makes you th- makes it through the Jags, you then have hopefully a nice Sunday of rooting interest, which is all you can really hope for sometimes with a bet. Yeah, it's not bad. The Jags is a, is a stretch. But I don't you know, know if I trust the Jags, but I guess it's the, the first ni- one. The nice thing about that, you lose, you rebet. <laughs> Yeah, you know you haven't you don't you haven't lost midway through with some legs in in you know in the books so that's the nice thing now i've got one nfl related question for you before we we wrap up the nfl portion i was watching a youtube video with a content creator who looked back on every draft since i think it was 2009 or maybe it was 2010 and looked at the number one overall pick and then said, who should that team have drafted with a number one pick in that draft? And actually a decent number of times they got the pick right. But the one that caused me the most intrigue was the 2012 NFL draft in which the Colts selected Andrew Luck Luck. as the number one overall pick. Now, It's a difficult draft because, I mean, Andrew Luck wasn't disappointing, 
but he obviously retired pretty early. Number two was RG3. He also retired early through injuries. Number three was Trent Richardson, who really didn't do particularly well in the NFL, although I guess the Browns ended up kind of trading out of that pretty successfully. Number five was Justin Blackman, so that didn't go well either. His argument for who he felt the Colts should have taken was Luke Keekley, who was taken number nine. The only other candidates kind of looking in the first round, you have Ryan Tannehill, who I guess has had an you know a decent quarterback career, but I don't think he's would have still he's still playing. I guess that's his his greatest claim right now against the other players. Yeah, yeah, Fletcher Cox. So, you know, strong case could probably be made for him. But after that, it you know it gets pretty thin. The name he threw out as a potential candidate, which I thought was a really interesting concept, was there was an undrafted free agent in that 2012 draft, which was Justin Tucker. Can you make a, <laughs> can you make a case that in a sense, the smartest draft pick there would have been Justin Tucker? Now throwing out the fact that obviously he was no, you can't because you wouldn't need to have taken him. <laughs> no, I know, but if you would it's just the went Daniel back Jones and, argument, <laughs> right? But if you went back and gave a legitimate. I mean, best player out of that draft, he definitely wins. It's then what value do you attribute to the kicking position? Is I he mean, the only Hall of Famer out of that draft class? I mean, Fletcher Cox is probably a Hall of Famer, don't you think? Yeah, maybe. Luke Keekley is probably a Hall of Famer. Maybe. Yeah. I think he might make it. Uh, aside from that, I mean, Stefan Gilmore was in that draft class. I don't think he will be a Hall of Famer. Um, Chandler Jones is in that draft class. Not a great draft class. No, it really isn't. I mean, one of your favorite players in, of recent years came out of that draft. I, I have so many favorites. <laughs> Janoris, Janoris Jenkins. Oh, John Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was, he was so dominant at Florida. 39th pick the Rams that's who should have went number one okay actually do you know who probably should have gone number one looking at this list who player he failed to mention second round 47th pick Bobby Wagner yeah and I, I think can see that's that. that's probably the of the names I'm kind of scrolling through and really trying to look at he's probably oh no I mean oh actually I take this back I've completely this missed guy just on this sucks. <laughs> no, no. There's one player I've missed from the third round who should have been taken, which is Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a quarterback. A he won a Super Bowl. Like if, yeah. if Russell Wilson had retired when he left the Seahawks, then there's no doubt. It's just that he's kind of tainting his reputation in these final few years. Yeah, I would take that. But no. So how many times did the team make the right pick? Um, I think it was something like four where he not, not very many. It also it becomes at times it becomes a little bit how much do you rank a degree of sentiment into the pick? Like if they feel like they got a good player out of it and he's gone on to have a decent career, then why, you know, he was 
trying to be trying to kind of factor that in at times. So, you know, which makes sense. Now, aside from the NFL, two other major, major sporting events this weekend, one which we often dedicate a little bit of time to, but I suppose this time around we won't really. The ARC, the annual greatest horse race on earth that we build Could up every year. Could be the worst year. one ever. <laughs> Not a great one, which is probably why we've dedicated less time to it this time around. Uh, I mean, it, what it has going for it is it is tremendously open. So, you know, that's kind of, it's really what you want to see from the ARC which is you can make a strong case for, you know, a, a wide, uh, at least I would say six of these horses. Personally, I'm going to side with the unbeaten favorite Ace Impact because I just think there's a possibility it turns out to be the really class horse in the race. And, you know, Hook'em is kind of appealing based on what we've seen so far, continuous looks to be improving pretty rapidly. Uh, you know, Westover is a consistent performer. It's a tough arc too, because there's not really a lot of rain in Paris. So all of the normal things you would associate with an arc winner having to handle tough ground, you're probably going to be dealing with firm and, you know, at least in the very least good, good to firm. So it's not exactly the arc that you normally think of but i just think you just have i also as we always talk about you kind of want superstars in racing and an unbeaten horse winning the arc would be a really nice story yeah it's just it's unfortunate that sometimes you have really good arcs sometimes you have what look like they will be good arcs and then towards the end of the year a lot of horses drop out and then you have arcs where there's not many horses that are proven superstars. I mean, it's pretty rare here that there isn't like a super star. Yes, there's an unbeaten horse, but it hasn't won that many major races yet. It's not an older horse, you know, that's got a, a lot of group ones under its belt. It's not coming back for another win. It's It'll be an arc that's tough to find um, like a hype story to it. Well, what I would say is this. If Hook'em or Ace Impact win, then I think you can make the case that they are superstars as a result of winning the arc. Pretty much anything else, I think you could pick holes. There, I really do not want Continuous to win because I don't want just Aiden O'Brien just having this huge stable of horses and he waits for one of them to kind of hit a good patch of form and then throws it into a big race. And it would have never been up for consideration a couple of months ago. So consideration to me in a sense, a continuous is the worst possible outcome. Westover maybe deserves a reward for consistency and plugging away and, you know, being put into some tough races. If you want the real, the nice story, then, I mean, I think you have to say, Let's hope this is the first year for the Japanese in the arc. It's it's the prized thing for them. And if through seven seas, which, you know, it's so hard to know what's happening with Japanese horses coming over, probably a bit better suited to the fact that the, it's, the conditions are not going to be as testing uh, as you would normally expect. It's a horse that, you know, always races on good, good to firm. So for from a Japanese perspective, this might be as good as it's ever going to get. This is definitely not the best Japanese horse to have come over to try and win the arc, but these are the maybe the best conditions they're going to have for it. So 
if you're looking for the nice storyline, then I think you back through seven seeds and hope for the the Japanese win. Sixteen like to one. Sixteen to one, right? Yeah, I think at the very least you can make a very good case each way. Pretty good value at sixteen to one because you there is an unknown quantity element to the Japanese horses coming over, whereas. I think we know what Bay Bridge is. I think we, you know, there's horses in, at a similar price in the betting where I think you can kind of rule them out. So through seven seas or recent history would tell us fantastic moon. The German horses tend to be sort of <laughs> underestimated, overpriced, fantastic moon at 14 to one. Maybe that's the bet fantastic moon or through seven seas at each, both each way. You're probably going to end up with one of them placing and making a profit, but maybe one of them wins. And in an ideal world, one of them wins and the other one places and you have a really nice day. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be bad. I like Hook'em. I don't know if it'll win the arc, but I, li- I like the horse. I think it, it's, it's a good, solid performer. But at, what is it, four to one now? Yeah, and I think there's a very strong well, nine to two in some places. I think there's a pretty good chance that by the off, certainly in the UK, Hookham will be favored. Yeah, and in I France, don't know if I don't know if that's good odds for for Hookham. Do you know what I mean? I also think we've kind of because there have been very good horses in recent years running in the arc who've been relatively short priced favorites. I think we've sort of normalized the idea of. You know, relatively heavy-ish favorites, which, okay, the favorite right now, it's seven to two. I think that's fine. I really feel like four to one should be the favorite in a race like this. But, you know, if either of these get into the more three to one or shorter territory, I just don't think you should be backing a horse in a race like this at that type of price when you aren't absolutely certain that it's the best horse in the race. Because A, it's a tough race. Longshaw is a pretty unique track with the, the full straight that you hit coming around the bend. It gets messy. You know, it's a race where you need luck in running. Things can go against you and you can just never have a true run of the race. So I'd be reluctant. Then obviously the other big sporting event this weekend, the Ryder Cup in Rome, which, look, Europe retained the Solheim Cup Last weekend, the women's version of the Ryder Cup, they, Europe and the USA drew 14-all. USA kind of had a mini collapse down the stretch to give away what looked like it would be a, a little bit of an upset. And this time around, we've got an interesting matchup of the two different teams. Obviously, part of the storyline is the lack of the live golf players in this but I think Europe kind of have the edge. I think there are more European players here who I trust. And I think always right. The argument is that Europeans are slightly more used to the match play format because that's a much more common style in Europe than it is in the U S that the types of courses, particularly when they come to Europe, suit the European players more anyway, because it takes out the sort of distance. They're more punishing if you find the rough. I just think I kind of, I look at this US team and I'm not 
blown away by it. Whereas I think there's a lot of consistency within this European team. Yeah, so it's tough because U.S. kind of won in a romp two years ago. And they have a decent amount of that team back. I think I saw eight of the 12 or seven of the 12 are back. So bring back a decent core of that team. That was pretty dominant. But Europe hasn't lost on home soil since 93, right? 93. Um, So tough to beat Europeans in Europe. And the stat I saw that I think sways me towards betting, or I probably won't bet it, but uh, Europe winning is the U.S. has the number one player in the world in Scotty Scheffler, but then two, three, four, McElroy, Rahm, and Hovland, all Europe. So, you know, you're looking at three of the four best are going to be on one team. So I think you got to stick with Hovland. He's hot. Take the hot hand. Well, if you like that, then maybe the big chill, big, big chill, big chill bet for the Ryder Cup. Top combined point score. You can have Victor Hovland at nine to one. So you can just hope for Victor Hovland to win all of his matchups obviously a little tough because it'll be a slight improvement from his rookie debut in 2021 where he was oh three and two (laughs) he's gonna be just the smiling assassin this time around but i mean it's always a risk when you do the kind of top point scorer bet because you need them to be selected you know obviously they all had to play in the singles but aside from that they don't necessarily have to be involved so, you know, you could be in a scenario where Hovland goes out in the on the first session as a really terrible outing and then gets sort of hidden away. He's he's a player of a significant enough stature that I can't really see that happening, but it obviously isn't impossible. But I really quite like Europe this time around. I love the Ryder Cup. We know you like Europe, Eddie. No. <laughs> we, we know you're anti-American. You don't No, but for that. example, last time... I had total confidence that the U.S. would win. This time, I really quite like Europe's chances. The interesting thing, the little discussion that came out of the Solheim Cup, it's one that pissed off golf purists, was in the scenario where the Ryder Cup ends in a tie, which just means it ends and the reigning champions retain the trophy. Wouldn't it be more interesting if they had a playoff? And How do you do a playoff in a Ryder Cup? You could. So the suggested possibility was then either you kind of restart. So obviously, because the final day is all singles. So then the mm-hmm. first matchup go and play a one hole playoff against each other. If that ends, if one of them wins, that's the end of the Ryder Cup. If that ends in a tie, then matchup number two goes and plays a one hole playoff. And you continue and continue and continue until there's an outright winner of the hole. The nightmare to that I could be if they just never have a winner to a hole, you could be locked in for for you know like a never ending experience. But that is kind I of I like the idea of you play match play singles, but each player plays one hole. Okay. And every player has to play before you can start repeating. But then after all the players play, you can repeat the same player as much as you want. So kind of like how hockey does the shootout. Like you have to have, so what, there's how many players on a team? 11? 
right? Uh, is that right? 11? 12? 12. 12. 12. So the first 12 holes would be a different player, but then after that, from hole 13 on, the team can choose they want to send out, and it could be the same person every time. And it's match play format. The, I like that suggestion. However, the downside to that, right, is you'd have to restart that the next day. Yeah, I know. But there's so much thinking involved in that, too, because it's like you have to choose who you put out for each hole and then like who's best suited for the hole, but then who the opponent could be. Oh, that'd be really cool. <laughs> but no, I mean, and this discussion pissed off golf purists because which I think the argument they had, it's the dumbest argument, which is that's not the way we do it. And that's never the best argument. Like, well, we, it ends in a tie. That's how it's always worked. And Augusta and, never allowed women. <laughs> <laughs> or black people. <laughs> Just the way you we know. do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like there's no, I get it that golf wants to maintain certain traditions. I like that. I like sports that do that. I like cricket. It maintains traditions. I understand you don't want to just sort of destroy your core fan base in the desperate, seeking, desperately seeking the attention of, you know, with a new format or trying to be more exciting. I understand, but I don't believe there's a golf fan out there, no matter how much resistance they might have to the idea in the first place who if they then get told the Ryder Cups just ended in a tie, they're having a one-hole playoff, winner takes all, who isn't immediately tuning into that and who wouldn't say at the end of it, that was some of the most exciting golf I've ever watched. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. would just be the intensity of that environment would be incredible. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, well, I guess with that, we'll call it a day. Sounds good. Cheerio. Talk to you later.